Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on faith. In this series, we are learning incredible stories from women who have learned to fight back fear of uncertainty and enter into the mysterious space of faith where we believe in what we cannot see. Today's guest is one who inspires me with her wisdom, even in the midst of what she calls God-given challenge. Megan Anderson is a servant of Christ, daughter, collegiate athlete, wife, mother of two incredible daughters, a special needs mom, advocate, educator, and mentor. She currently serves as Public Relations Director and Early Childhood Mentor for Highland and Fayette County Board of Developmental Disabilities. She's an effectiveness coach for Dynamics LLC and also a member and project manager for Nationwide Children's Hospital Family Advisory Council. Megan was too humble to share that she has also been Teacher of the Year twice, a keynote speaker, and served on Children's Hospital Family Advisory Board, and I would also add a wonderful friend. In this episode, we learn how Megan has relied upon faith and her strong belief in the fact that God molds and uses us for good in all conditions. Through her story, we learn to see how in each circumstance, we can see the blessing and the burden and know that we are each called to live the life we have been given to the greatest glory. It is with deep honor that I share with you today, Megan Anderson's faith story. Welcome, Megan Anderson, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you featured today. I have had the joy of meeting you in person, and you're just such a beautiful light to the world, and I'm so excited for my listeners to come to your story and to get to know you today. I am thrilled to be on this podcast as well. When you asked me, I was just, I was so humbled, and I greatly appreciate it, and I'm so excited to share my God-given journey that you've you've asked me to share. Wonderful. So Megan, would you just give a little bit of context for the listeners who have not heard of you, kind of what you're up to in the world and where you're at and how you are using your gifts? Yeah, absolutely. I had actually last night finished Tim Tebow's book, This Is The Day. And um, so I'm going to start off with this. I am a daughter and a child of God, first and foremost. I'm a sister. I'm a collegiate athlete. I'm a wife, mother of two incredible little girls, Brielle and Reese. I'm a special needs mommy. I'm an advocate, an educator, and a mentor. Currently, I work for uh, early, I'm a childhood Um, early childhood mentor for a board of developmental disabilities and also an educational effectiveness coach. That's a lot. (laughs) Yes, it is. But you know what? At the end of the day, God, I feel has chosen for me to be in each and every one of those positions to inspire children, to inspire adults, to inspire women, just to be that guiding light and mentor. I can say unequivocally that that is uh, wherever you're placed, you, you do it well. Megan and I got connected through a common connection, Dwight Carter, and I got the opportunity to just live life and experience um, learning alongside of Megan at the ASCD Empower Conference. And one of the things that I just note about you, Megan, is that you have the ability to just make people feel really comfortable and cared for. And you're just a very present individual, though I was aware um, the entire time that you have some concerns associated with your, your children. And if you want to speak to that, you can. But I just wanted to give you that little props there to say how wonderful it was to be in your presence and 
just to get to know you. And I know the listeners are going to gain from your story today. And I know there's a lot that I don't even know about you yet because we have not had the opportunity. So I'm just really excited to have this conversation and let others listen in on it today. Yeah, Dwight had encouraged me to go. I'm, I'm such a lifelong learner and uh, he had encouraged me to go to the ASCD conference. And I, I said, yeah, learning. I'm all about it. Let's go. And I had been following you and listening to your podcast. And all of a sudden, I remember looking over and I'm like, wait a minute, are you Sarah Johnson? And I was, and it was just like, are you Megan Anderson? And it was such a great connection to finally meet each other. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I, again, love about Megan is just the fact that you live this very authentic life. And I know that that's driven from your faith. And I love that you're featured here on this series. And we really had talked about having you featured in the motherhood series because a large part of your story is mothering, um, you know, in the midst of some challenge. But I just love that you're here because so much of what you exude really is the calm um, collection that you have and how you started out being, you know, the daughter of Christ. And so would you just share with the listeners a little bit about that role as a mother? Um, and then we can get into, you know, how you infuse your spirit in every other space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's start off with, I guess, my faith-based journey. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were middle school, high school, and college sweethearts. And um, from there, we started in a really small non-denominational non-den- church. And um, they decided to send me away to church camp. I don't know if they needed some alone time or some time away from me, but it sounded like a really good idea and a fun (laughs) idea. And uh, so I went to church camp in my very first year uh, was in 1991. And I remember at that point I was with my camp counselor, Gretchen, and um, we were just sitting outside and I just felt this presence of God. I had always known him but it wasn't like this. And it was something that I was really hungry for. And I remember at that moment, accepting him into my heart. And um, it was such an incredible experience. And I know it was just a great day for my parents as well when they came to pick me up. But I think that they had known all along that that day was going to happen because God had prepared them that I would receive him into my heart in 1991. I look back at that time and, and God was just so present in every moment of my life. When I was, from when I was younger, um, my parents had taught me to basically live with a servant's heart, you know, to reach out to other people, to encourage and embrace them. Um, and I think during my high school years, um, that kind of got a little hard. Um, so I'm going to be vulnerable in this situation and say that I've always had this really muscular build. That was the way that God had made me. And I really struggled with that, um, during some of my high school years, because, um, there were some girls that would occasionally say, you know, I looked more sporty. I looked like a man. Um, and and it was really hard because I was taught to have that servant's mentality and that agape love for people. And, and so in the midst of that, I found myself being hurt a lot, um, because of the comments, but I had always in the back of my mind remembered that, that God had bigger plans for me and that's the way he made me. And that's the way that I needed to embrace my own self. And it was really hard. And I know there are probably some people that out there that have had those images of, you know, you hear people talking about you. And I want to encourage them that, man, God loves you the way that you are and just embrace that. And it's not their opinion that matters because it's 
it's God. And that's, that's where he wants you to be. Um, and so from there, I talk about that muscular athletic build that I uh, decided to go and play volleyball at Ohio State. And I was considered a preferred walk-on because I was that college athlete and I loved volleyball. That's one of my passions as well. Uh, I would have been the shortest on the team at five foot three. And two weeks before my high school graduation, I got a phone call from the college coach that had told me that I wasn't accepted to the university because um, my grades were good. My class ranking was good but my ACT score was not, not good enough. And it was heartbreaking. And if you've ever seen the movie, the football movie, Rudy, that is exactly how I felt in that moment of time. But the thing I love about that movie and Rudy is God was the center of his guidance as well. And, uh, I remember I just felt failure. I felt like I had failed my family, my community, felt like I had failed God But in the end, I knew that he had a bigger and better plan for me, and I had to trust that plan. And so from there, um, I remember my dad and my mom and I had gone into the admissions office at Ohio State, and uh, the admissions officer looked at me, and and she said, point blank at me, "Um, honey, I'm going to be really honest with you. You would never make it at this university with that score. And I was really proud of my dad in that moment. And he became my hero at that moment because he was so calm for once in his life that I would really expect a parent to, you know, want to come across that table. And and the best part about that conversation was when I think about my heavenly father, my dad became my heavenly father in that moment. And when we walked out of that office, he looked at me square in the eyes and he, he grabbed my shoulders and, and I could tell he meant it. And it was his words were, were coming from God. And he said to me, you know what that test can't measure? It can't measure passion and work ethic and leadership. And he said, you display all of those qualities and I believe in you and you're going to make it. And I had walked away from that day and started, I'd gone to OU and then transferred back to Ohio State. And um, on June 6, 2007, I, I received my first diploma. And the best part was, I remember those words of my dad saying, you're going to make it. And when I was at Ohio State, I didn't play very much. But what I learned was to continue that servant's mentality of if they needed me, if my teammates needed me to be in this role. I was going to embrace that because that's where God needed the team and myself to be at that moment. And I still talk to all 13 of my teammates today, uh, every day through an app called Marco Polo, and we're still encouraging each other. From that, I went to uh, become an educator in Florida. My first class was every teacher's dream class of having 10 students. I went to a, to a Southern Baptist school down there and I taught. Um, but when I had graduated Ohio State, I had a degree in journalism. So I didn't have a degree in education. But I went down to coach in Florida and they said, do you teach? And I said, sure. Um, so I taught fourth grade and I loved it. And at that point, I had decided to come back home from Tampa, Florida and uh, went back to school at Ashland, which is where I met my husband to get my degree in education. And, and throughout every moment of that, God continued to guide and provide. And sometimes stepping out and saying, all right, I'm going to take a risk and being fearful that fear is not of God. 
that he's telling you, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to put this in place for you because I have something bigger and better. And I'm going to grow you from this process. So from my husband, um, I went back to a community school in our local town, taught third grade there for three years. And then I had our first daughter, Brielle, which is probably that was five years ago. And probably um, I would say, Sarah, that it's the closest, not that I ever let God, you know, go away from my life, but it it is the closest that I've ever found him near and dear to my heart. It's been an amazing ride. So and I just wanted to say, Megan, how really special it is to hear you retell that. And it's just this, I think that was the observation I made about you um, earlier and from the beginning and in every interaction that we've had is this really calming, comforting, just state and steady understanding that you're not in control. And though it's so easy to um, start to believe that we are, you know, and especially for people who are achievers or driven, like you, you know, were for the collegiate athlete role and all of that, just to be able to, to be able to release that in that youthful state that you were in is really exceptional. And I, and I know that you're not trying to say that in the moment there wasn't questions, but, and I think that's really good for our listeners to hear in this faith series that you can still have the human kind of questions and daily concerns and um, fears and all of that, but you just have this kind of underlying connection that makes it feel very um, comforting, I guess. Is just what I want, wanted to say before you launched into the motherhood piece. <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely. You, you are, you are spot on. And you know, I guess one thing that I would take away, and I know everybody's different in how they're dealing with things, and they all have their own personal journeys. And you know, I had had somebody ask me one day, like, "You're not? Are you angry? Do you ever get angry about your circumstances or thing? You know." the situations that God put you in. And, and I said, absolutely not. I said, I was angry for one day. And what I realized was it was a complete waste of my day because it didn't change my circumstance. So I had listened to Lavana Roth at uh, Chicago and she said the greatest statement. And since I come back to Chicago, it's, you know, some people say, you know, I had a bad day. And she said, you know, rewire your brain to say I had a bad moment, because if you say you had a bad day, then that changes the whole outlook on the day. And, you know, maybe it it wasn't bad. There were great moments in that day. And I really try to capture in on those great moments of just every moment in second and hour that that God truly gives us to take that and to inspire someone. Mm, That's wonderful. Is that really beautiful idea of gratitude and cultivating that gratitude and then being able to emit that joy through it. So it's, I love that you brought up Lavana's statement in there too. It's wonderful. You know, getting to this, this concept of how you've never felt closer to your heavenly father than in that space of being a mom and and some of the challenge you want to share with the listeners just a little bit more about that with Brielle. Yeah. So um, we had Brielle in 2013 and when we had Brielle, we loved the name. My middle name is Brienne. So it's kind of like, um, you know, being a school teacher, you have to pick out those names, right? And, you know, I had never had a Brielle. So it was like, okay, well, it's half my middle name and this puts a little twist on it. And then we had her 
And they were kind of some things that were just, you know, when you're a mom, you're going, hmm, I don't know. I know I'm not, I haven't been a mom for too long, but something's just, it's something's happening here. And that gut uh, mother's intuition that, that God gives you, um, it's spot on really. Um, so Brielle was born and probably three weeks after she was born, um, she was admitted to the hospital, um, for an unexplained fever. She was having failure to thrive. Uh, she wasn't gaining weight and we just, we kept going through all of these processes, trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. Um, and it took us about a year to fully figure out she had had ear tube surgery because she couldn't get rid of the um, ear infections. She had eczema that you could literally peel off of her head like an alligator. And it was all that way on her whole body. And we're just like kind of going through the checklist and we were at the hospital nonstop. And um, finally, we had come to this um, doctor. She was a long doctor because what we noticed was Brielle sounded like a smoker, like this deep cough for a newborn. And it was like, okay, that's something's going on here. And we can't, we had come to this first doctor um, at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus. And she was a sweet little motherly doctor. And uh, so she started putting us through some tests. And finally, after uh, buddying up with an ENT who was also phenomenal, a neurologist, we had come to the conclusion that she had a um, rare genetic mutation. Uh, It's of the 16th chromosome. It's called GREN2A. And um, there are less at that point when she was born in 2003 was actually when they came out with the science for Gren 2A. At that point, we were told that there were less than 100 people in the world that had this. And the other rare occasion or the other rare part about it was my husband and I were not carriers. So this was a new gene. So to have a child like her would, um, they told us it was less than a 1% chance um, that we would have a child like her. So we're going through all of these hospital stays, all of these visits and, um, I just happened to look what, and I was feeling worn out, you know, as moms, as women, as people in general, as human beings, we're, we're weary, we're tired, right? And we come to God and we're like, we, we need some rest here. And I just happened to look up her name and it was like, okay, I wonder what the, the origin, what does this mean here? When I looked up her name, her name, her name means God is my strength. The fact that he would even encourage us to name this precious child of his, Brielle, God is my strength. That's exactly what she became. She was our strength and he was our strength during some of the most difficult times in our life. And it was where we tried to find those happy moments. And, you know, Um, I think one of the hard parts about being a mom your first time is, especially sometimes with that social media aspect, you see people post um, at at three months, here's what my child's doing. At six months, here's what my child's doing. And to be honest, um, I kind of made some things up because she wasn't doing those things and I didn't know what to do. And I remember thinking, God, I just need your strength. And and I found God saying to me at that point when I was kind of filling out those things, it's okay if you need to do that. And it's okay if you need to cry today, like I'm going to wipe your tears. And it's okay if you're going to question me because I'm going to put somebody else in your life and then you're going to go, 
oh, I'm not questioning this anymore. Like I remember there was a, a friend of ours. They were they were saying, you know, we're we're atheist. And at that point it but the weird thing was she always they always knew where my faith was because I gladly posted on social media. And at one point in time, I remember I had posted this long post and the person had posted right underneath Brielle's quickly. It was a quick, you know, comment. And the comment was, I thank God for you every day. And I still get teary eyed thinking about that because it was at that moment in time that I realized you know, it, if it means that we have to go through this so one or two people can see your light and be saved by your grace, I'm good with it, God. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. It was almost like a mic, the drop the mic, you know, like, wow, it was so powering, empowering to just see that. And, you know, she's, when we talk about Gren to a, um, She's nonverbal. She uses an AAC device to talk. She um, has epilepsy. Um, so I've had to give seizure rescue meds. Um, she is developmentally behind and was with walking, talking, all of those um, crazy things. And when we had had our second child, Reese, Reese started walking before Brielle did. Reese was walking at nine months. Um, Reese actually potty trained Brielle at uh, at six, Reese was 16 months and she potty trained Brielle. I always say, uh, if you want to know about compassion, if you want to know about the love of God, watch a special needs sibling. Because at 16 months, I saw one of the greatest moments probably happen. Um, I saw Reese walk up the steps first and Brielle's with her balance issues. Um, she was, she was behind her. And all of a sudden I saw this little 16 month old stop dead in her tracks. And she turned around on the steps and grabbed her big sister's hand and she helped her up the steps. <laughs> Here you are as a mom and you're just, I'm, I'm sobbing. Like how, how is this possible? You know how, and for as much as God gave us Brielle, Oh, did he give us Reese? Because I, I look at her and she just exemplifies what it means to be a servant. She's given up a lot, you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one time so we could be with Brielle. She's not jealous. She's not disgruntled. She cares with probably the biggest heart um, that anyone could. So that is that is like the the amazing thing about just watching their relationship grow and um, just watching how they serve one another is, is the biggest thing. I've been just listening to you, hoping you would never stop talking. And part of it is that there's just such a wisdom that's so exuded in your your life story, Megan, because, you know, when we come to stories where we come to different points of journeys with individuals, there's just a, there's a level of wisdom you gain, gain with life experience. But one of the things that I'm noticing about you is that you're able to discern the lesson in, you know, the moments. And of course, you have years behind you and, and the days get long. I don't think you've tried to tell our listeners anything other than that. You've shared how challenging it can be but you've hooked into the moments of awe that I would say, um, I'll just use my own terminology here from the podcast that really is inspiring because you're seeing this bigger picture and I'm just watching the story unfold in my mind as I'm picturing your children and I'm picturing you 
and the example that you gave about the impact and the mission in, you know, Brielle's life and you being her mom, there's so much to uncover here with your faith. And I just am so thankful that you're sharing it with us. And just to really put a fine point to that for our listeners to just see that, um, you know, we can see that in our own lives. We don't need to wait until the real passes us by and we review it, you know, because you're not looking at Brielle from the standpoint of her adulthood and, you know, some of the successes, like you're in the thick of it right now. You are in the weeds of parenting both your children. And yet you can see how gorgeous this, this view has been for your life. And I love that story of her name. It's just so impactful. When she was diagnosed, I was um, at a church in this one of the uh, pastors there had given me this book and it was called the book of hope. And if you haven't, haven't read it, it's like a 365 day daily devotional by Nancy Guthrie. And I was reading it. And at that point, you know, I was still kind of struggling, you know, a diagnosis can do everything that you would imagine it would do. It stings, it burns you, you cry for no reason. Um, you know, it's just that part of realizing, you know, something maybe a little different that God's put in our life. And there was this part of the book that I came to and the uh, title was called A Sword Will Pierce Your Soul. And there was a part of it that said near the end. So perhaps you know what it feels like for a sword to pierce your very soul, to experience deep pain that seems to cut ruthlessly and defy the senses. If so, you are in good company. And perhaps this is a soul pain that is something that will make you uniquely usable to God to accomplish his purpose in the world and in your life. Do you want to be used? And I I made it into a bracelet because whenever we went into a tough circumstance in the hospital, it was how are we in this moment and how can we share God's journey to impact a nurse, to impact a doctor, a therapist, or even another parent that's watching us in that moment to show them God's grace that he's going he's gonna to provide us hope. He's going to provide us with that. And so it's this long view that the days aren't just meant to be lived, they're meant to be lighted was kind of the phrase that came to me as I was listening to you share that. Absolutely. Yeah. I had had a conversation with a, a one special needs mom one day. And, you know, I, like you said, I try to be that understanding person of listening. And um, I could tell that she was, she was upset. She was having her moment and, and I get that. And I'm listening to her. And, and I remember at that moment, she had looked at me and she said, I don't think you understand there's not a cure for this. And her son had had something different than what I, you know, what Brielle had. And I remember I was standing there and I thought, oh, wow, her words. And I thought, you know, her words were coming from hurt and those weren't words of God. So I wanted to inspire words of God back into her is what I wanted to do. I remember just kind of taking a deep breath Going back to my own personal mission statement as serving others through compassion, trust, and inspiration. And, and that inspiration comes from God. And I remember God saying to me, I need you to say these words. And he, I had looked at her and I, I had said, you know, maybe there's not a cure today or tomorrow or 10 years from now. But what I do know is 
that when the good Lord calls us home one day, there is no grin to a, there is, there is, there is none of what we're dealing with. You know, he has prepared a place for us. He is the branches and he is just providing us with fruit to bear. And it doesn't mean that our journey is going to be easy, but it's when we go home to that heavenly place that he's called us to be in, We've done our job on earth and what he's put us here to do and to inspire and impact and, and to lead others to him. And and I'm OK with that. I, I really am OK with that. And I just I embrace today. And how can we get through today? Because I know the future is with him and I'm good with that. It's a very inspiring message for us to listen to, Megan. Um, your faith is inspiring. And I love to listen to all of the gems that you've laid to illustrate your path and thinking about the fact that you weren't even going to be in education and it was placed strategically in your life in a way that would get you to the passions connected with coaching and that you listened to that somehow through whoever, you know, whomever it was that led you in that direction. And now you have this really depth filled empathy for the learning communities that you serve in a way that is, it's just more. And it's clear that you're called to do more and to be more and that you're willing to answer that call, even in the midst of this challenge. And so, you know, what are some of the the things that you do in your professional life um, for families when you, you reference that, you reference that you're an advocate um, and in some of the work that you do, can you just give us an illustration of Maybe maybe something that you hadn't even seen would be useful. This turned out to be. Yeah, I, I think definitely, and I can say this for a fact. You know, how many IEP meetings did I sit through as an educator? And you know, and and you're you're listening to those parents and you're understanding those parents. And then, wow, when I have a child now that's on an IEP, it's it's different. And so what I, I really wanted to encourage educators to do is going into those meetings. You know, I, I know that it's and also in the edu- the elementary world. For a lot of times, these are the very first meetings that parents are, have been into. And it's, it's overwhelming. And just to almost, you know, you start off almost making it feel like home when they walk into that facility. Can I offer you some water? Can I offer you coffee? They walk into um, the lounge where it, it doesn't look business. It feels like home because that's what you want it to feel like. And now, okay, we can go through some of those things as what we're going to do as a team to help your child. But in the beginning of some things, when you go into those meetings, it feels so businesslike and it's hard to build those relationships because parents are like, this is overwhelming, you know? Um, so, so those are some of the things we've done in, in our facilities is just to make it feel like home first, to build a relationship and to show them, I'm here for you. I understand. And this is... You know that we're going to help your child together. For my husband, still he can he can tell you, he goes to the IEP meetings with me and he feels overwhelmed and um, he he gets emotional. And probably that's one of the one things that I love about my husband is I married him because he was an emotional person. Uh, I loved the fact that he could he could shed some tears because it meant that he didn't want to hold anything back that it was, it was real. It was him. And that's what I loved about him. And I remember our very last meeting that we went to not too long ago and we got in the car and, and he sobbed and he sobbed in the meeting. 
And I, we got in the car and it was my day to be the strong one because he's been that for me. And I remember looking at him and just telling him, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're a good dad. Like you are like, there are, you know, it's hard sometimes to get one parent, two parents, you know, whoever to an IEP meeting, let alone have a dad in an IEP meeting, just letting his feelings out, you know? And I said that, I know that wasn't easy, but, and I know that, that God was there guiding you in that moment, but you're you're a good dad. And so I think as an educator, when we think about, you know, IEP meetings or even what parents are doing in general, um, just take that, take that step back of, are we really, are we trying to understand maybe what they're going through? And and that goes for everybody. And it's so easy to lose sight of all that. I I so appreciate what you're doing in the world to help um, educators create that environment for families. um, Because, it is hard enough to parent um, children who don't have the challenges that many of our students do have. And from the aspect of the educators, so for the listeners who are educators who aren't usually involved in that process, or maybe you don't know what an IEP even is, <laughs> it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a process that creates a lot of, um, you know, it's paperwork, but it's really teamwork. And it's, um, you know, it's a process that if we don't do it mindfully, just like anything else can become an obligation. And I so very much value what you're sharing with the listeners today and just listening and and softening my heart as a great reminder for that because, you know, we get caught up in the funding and the legal pieces and the services and and everything and just really being mindful of when when parents come to the table, what they're bringing with them. And we know that, um, you know, every family that enters our walls are so different and have their different stories. And and one of the things that I always really tried to be mindful of and emphasize is that just because freshman year went really well, doesn't mean that something didn't happen over the summer to make sophomore year a real challenge. You know what I mean? Like just always trying to remember that we are, you know, we're complicated souls on beautiful journeys and it's, it's just, we can't just let the moments pass us by in any given situation. So what you're doing for, you know, educators to be mindful about that from the start is just, it's beautiful. And thank you for sharing your husband's vulnerabilities too. I love what you said about paperwork and teamwork, you know, and I think about, there was one of the IEP meetings uh, because we've had several amending, you know, some things that have come up. And one of the IEP meetings, I saw Reese's teacher come in And she started sitting in on the IEP meetings and I actually had pulled her aside and I said, Hey, I just love that you're here, you know, like that. And and she said, you know, Megan, I wanted to learn about Brielle, but I wanted to learn about Brielle in a way that I could help guide Reese. And I, I literally, I, I, it stopped me in my tracks because I thought, wow, because the important thing is not only do we understand the child that's going through the difficult uh, journey or, or their God-given journey, I don't want to say difficult because, you know, me, it is difficult, but it's their God-given journey, um, but also what the parents may be going through. But what about the siblings? You know, I think about trauma-informed care a lot. And I tell people all the time, you know, I, yep, 
Brielle's in the hospital a lot and we really take, we're mindful of trauma informed care, but I really, this past year have focused a lot on Reese because Reese has seen her sister be rushed into an emergency department with doctors, with facial masks all around them, you know, all around her sister and, and Reese plays a really good part. She actually plays the part of me, like I'm good, I'm strong, I, I can do this. But I also want to make sure that I'm really being mindful of, we don't want her to see all of that, but we do want to educate her in that process to know, you know, that the hospital isn't a scary place. It is where we go for when we need help. And just the fact that her teacher wanted to know how she could learn about her sister in order to help guide you know, Reese was just, oh, it was, it was a pivotal moment really as an educator, because I I really prayed on that moment that, that all educators would do that as well too. Bless her heart. (laughs) Just has me feeling really emotional because it's just an extra mile that is completely unexpected. And, you know, we know one of my main life messages is that balance piece. And it's so hard because we give as educators, we do give so much, but, um, what a what a meaningful step that was for that educator to take. And I just thank you for sharing that on the podcast. There's so many great people in this world <laughs> that really want to do their job with excellence. And it's that's incredible. Absolutely. Well, Ms. Megan, we are in danger because we can talk forever. Um, you are a soul sister that I am so thankful. This, yeah, I count you as one of the gifts of this year in my life and the leap of faith that I've taken. I don't know that I would have been able to encounter you and it has a lot of meaning in my life and will continue beyond this podcast. So I thank you for that. But in the spirit of wrapping up to make sure that our messages are hitting where they need to, I want to make sure that you have uh, the opportunity to answer two questions. So one of them is inspired by Nicole Nordeman's song, Dear Me. And the question is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? It's so funny that you mentioned this because actually I did this on Facebook not too long ago. Um, I blog a lot on Facebook and for some reason I... I saw this picture of me when Brielle was little and I was just holding her with deep compassion and love. And I felt God's Holy Spirit saying, mothers need to hear this, you know, dear first time mom. And, and I, I wrote that, you know, and so I said, as I sit here and I look at this picture, there are many things I wish I could have told her ahead of time. I wish I could have told her you are brave and selfless, a comforter, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, an advocate, and you are tough. And you're going to go through the most amazing journey God has placed before you. And he is going to allow you to meet and aspire so many others to keep going. He's going to wipe your tears. He's going to hold you up and he's going to breathe life into you when you feel as though you can't part the waters. He will part them. Maybe not in your own time, but he, my friend, will part them. He will place the most incredible people in your life that will guide you, protect you, and support you. He will not forsake you or leave you. He will collect all of your tears and remind you that although this journey is tough and unknown, you were chosen and we will all be blessed by the childlike faith this miracle has. No matter how tired you are each day is a blessing and don't forget to make the most of it. Beautiful words. Thank you for sharing those. What a perfectly timed question. <laughs> <laughs> I need 
needed to hear that too. We always need that reflection piece. Reflection is so important to show how far we've come as a person, as an educator, as a mom. And just that reminder of he's in control. He's going to part the waters. May not be in your own timing, but he's going to do it. And he's going to put people in your life like you, Sarah. He's going to put you in my life when I needed it the most even though you may not have realized it. Oh, I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, because it's the same. It's the same for me, Megan, for sure. So one more question. I feel like that previous one hit people where it needed to, but one more. If as an influential woman, what is it that you would like to say to the listeners who may find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear your wonderful voice to help call them right up out of it. That fear and doubt can really get in the way, can it? I think that it's just a message to show that surrounding yourself with good godly people will put that fear and doubt out of your mind. You know, continuing to get up in the mornings and say, as soon as your feet hit the floor, I heard Dwight Carter say, Brene Brown's telling yourself I'm worthy because God feels you're worthy. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He is writing your story each and every day and embrace the moments, embrace the days, because at the end, we know when God is in control and he's the producer of that movie, he already knows what's going to happen. And letting go of that fear is going to allow us to be vulnerable. Vulnerable is a hard place for us to be, but it's you know, I think about God being that, that potter and we're the clay and he's just molding us into being that vessel that he, he wanted us to be in life. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it means that there's hope. There is definitely hope and inspiration that we can, we can bring people along and to show him, show him or her the guiding light that he is in our lives. Wonderful words that spoke to me in this moment as well, Megan, and not a surprise. And I just thank you so much for taking time out. I know that you're in always kind of in a season of blessing and and, uh, challenge and calling for you to be present, but to give your time here for the In Awe podcast and our listeners is just such a true gift. Would you be willing to share the best way for listeners to engage with you? Because I know they're going to want to after this. Absolutely. Yes. So you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, Twitter, my name has just such a fun name, right? Because I was that college athlete and um, it was the first part of my life where I experienced failure and that actually grew me. So that's why I actually picked um, that volleyball name. So MBA Baller 22 is my name on Twitter. Um, Megan Bree Anderson is uh, on Instagram and then Facebook is Megan Blake uh, Anderson. So I, I do a lot of writing on there um, and my writing is people comment a lot on my writing And I always encourage them that to say, this isn't my writing. It's actually what God has inspired me to write. So it's his words. It's the Holy Spirit that talks to me. And that is why you are a perfect person to have featured here on the NA podcast for the mission in your message. And I'm honored to amplify it for you today. And listeners, I will be sure to connect all of those ways to 
uh, engage with Megan after the fact in the show notes. And Megan, I just want to thank you one more time for your inspiration, for your contributions to this world, for your bravery, your courage, and for being one of uh, the best gifts of my life so far. Thank you so much for being on the In Awe podcast, Megan. Thank you, Sarah. Truly humbled and grateful. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.